0: Hi everybody, this is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review with our Down to Business podcast. And with us today is Amanda Andrews, as usual, our executive producer. Hello, Amanda. (laughs) Hi, Jeff, how are you?
1: I'm splendid. Oh,
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Um, thank you very much.
1: Today is uh, sort of an interesting episode. It's a little different because I am gonna be interviewing Mr. Jeff Feingold here today. Because he's no longer Mr. Feingold, he's now <laughs> Dr. Jeff Feingold, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, recently got his honorary doctorate from Granite State College, so congratulations.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Take two um, aspirin and call me in the morning.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I want to follow that advice, but <laughs> um, first off, how did this come to be? And uh, can you expl- like how how does an honorary doctorate work? I,
0: I I have no idea how it came to be. All I know is <laughs> I got an email from the college saying they wanted to give me this honorary degree at their commencement. And my first reaction was, Are you sure you're sending this to the right address? <laughs> and I was it was say they insisted that yes, it was and the University System Board of Trustees approved this, which is really quite a thing to have on your resume. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: And uh, the only requirement for me getting this degree was to deliver a commencement address.
1: Wow, that's a minimum requirement.
0: (laughs) Which actually turned out to be a really great experience from from my perspective. I mean, but the other the other thing is I have to say I have a relationship with Grand State College. I've I taught there for yes. several years. I taught writing there for several years. And it was a wonderful experience because for people who aren't familiar with Grand State College, it's start out as this college school for lifelong learning, the College for Lifelong Learning. What it is, is a it's an institution that really welcomes non-traditional students. It's been doing that throughout its history. It's this this is its 50th year. 50, this was its 50th anniversary. And the students I had in my classes were from all over, different ages, 20s, 30s, 40s, older, people in their 60s, even older, wow. and going for their, master, their bachelor's degrees, and some going on for um, um, master's later on, and also associate degrees. But there's a whole range of people, people who are immigrants, refugees, single parents, people working, you know, one job, two jobs, you no, know, really... Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, and they were eager to like get advanced with their lives. It was really, really inspiring a place to be teaching.
1: What, um, because so you had to give a commencement. How, how do you even, (laughs) even start writing that? Because I feel like I would have. You're supposed to, you know, inspire these, you know, new graduates, and Um, I wouldn't um, even know where to start.
0: (laughs) Well, the first thing I had to do was inspire myself to write it. That took a while, Mm -hmm. and being a newspaper person for above 40 X years uh, yeah I need a deadline mm-hmm. the original deadline was like in three months so that didn't help, <laughs> <laughs> help but I every once in a while I would think of something in the middle of the night you know how that works yeah and I'd make myself some notes for uh, I'd make myself some notes and put them into this folder and stuff and eventually i came around this idea of just talking about them and what their great accomplishments have been you know because they some of these people spend many years doing this because you know it takes a lot of time to do all this work it does yeah
1: especially when you have like as you said jobs families to support
0: exactly it's and and actually at the at, at the uh, commencement which was really it was over at the Fisher cats uh, ballpark the student speaker the valedictorian was uh, was really something else he he uh, he had gone to college you know at the traditional age and just couldn't make it. it turns out he has profound hearing loss oh wow and he was really just was not performing well in school and I don't think the teachers knew how to handle this kind of thing, but he's obviously extremely bright young man. And Mm -hmm. he ended up being the valedictorian at Grand State because one day he said, you know, he was working and he, one day he said, you know, I'm never, I can never go back to college, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know what? Yes, I can. I can go back to college. And he did his best and really gave it a very impressive speech. And uh, it really just reflects that college itself.
1: Yeah, I guess so. That's great. how how big was the class, do you know?
0: Well, there were well, I I couldn't tell the the complete size because you know the, the <laughs> ceremony was I think it was about 190 to 200 people, but several of them weren't there because uh the ceremony was supposed to be held on Sunday this past, you know, Sunday the uh 22nd. But if you remember that was about 97 degrees out and
1: yeah, not fun. It
0: missed a thunderstorm in the evening, so they postponed it till the rain date, mm-hmm. of Monday, and many of the people have to work.
1: Yes, they do. <laughs> and
0: they all aren't there, which is just exactly what would happen. But mm-hmm. I think it's a couple hundred people. Um, a lot of you know people in the, in the stands, family and friends and stuff, and it's a really nice ballpark.
1: Yeah, the Fisher uh, Cat Stadium is really nice
0: really nice place to be and it was a beautiful day it was, it was about 20 degrees cooler than the day before so it was real nice
1: <laughs> especially when you because you had the like the full get up the full gowns which oh yeah
0: i had the whole regalia layers and layers <laughs> yeah actually it was really i was thinking to myself this would have been just unbearable mm-hmm. in 90 degree heat i don't even know how to no. do
1: because you're, you're they put on um what the, what's the thing called that they put on you? The, um, the uh, hood? Yeah, they the put, the, you know, they're covering up even more skin. Yeah. Just, <laughs> that's too much. That's too much.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it, I, I have to say, you know, I being up there, you know, and, and watching all the graduates come by, it really was amazing how many different people and different from all different walks of life were, were there. And it, it, you know, a lot, of, there's, there's a standard idea of a graduation. Everybody's 21, 22 years old. And I
1: mm-hmm.
0: know um, anyway, at my graduation, I I would say everybody was the same age, except there was one guy who was a Vietnam vet. I remember that. Mine was and, too. And of course, at the, in those days, the vast majority of people were white. Mm-hmm. This, this is 76. But it was so different and it was so um it was, it was really inspiring to me because you know new hampshire gets this big rap about not being a diver, very diverse state and that, that is true but mm-hmm. manchester is a very it's a pretty diverse city it's you know especially for a, a non-diverse state and this class was very diverse and just hearing about some of the uh graduates was very impressive
1: yeah and i think there's you know, more, and as you said, the diversity, even just between, you know, age, uh, background, where they come from, might not even be from New Hampshire originally. And I think that kind of goes to how education is starting to think a little, or at least, you know, universities and colleges are starting to think differently about what our expectations are about getting a degree in terms of the path to get there. You know, it's, it's changing where it's not technically just high school immediately college you know yes. it you can go back at any well I mean not that it wasn't often you know offered before but it's more common
0: that people yes. can- that's that's a very good point you know it's just a uh, the the thing the take a big takeaway over the last several years is that we've got a lot of students who are in, College because they were just expected to go there, mm-hmm. but they don't really want to be there or they're not equipped at that point to be there. I mean, there's no law written down that says you have to go to college when you're eighteen years old. Right. A lot of these people spent you know fifteen years in their career or more before they said, mm-hmm. "You know, I want to go to college now and they were ready so this it's just a different it's we have to change the society's expectations really because my wife was a special ed teacher. For 35 years, and now she teaches education at Southern Hampshire University, and she's been saying this for years. You know, a lot of her students, and even a lot of students she has today, they really are not fully equipped to be in college at this point. Yeah, they need some life experience. They need to get some other kind of work experience before they do it, because a lot of them don't don't have the uh, the commitment that's really needed. Mm -hmm. You really do have to make a commitment to go I mean, You can go to college, but if you're going to learn. exactly going to college
1: and and i i I might be a broken record here but i i was one of those students you know that felt forced like to go to college you know it's not that it's high school's fault of saying you have to go to college but it was again like that stigma that society has if you don't go to college then what are you going to do you know and i didn't really know what i wanted to do but i found something oh that sounds interesting but you're investing your parents' money and your money, and it's a big decision to make when you're still technically a teenager. So, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's it's on a on a personal level. My mother did the college; so she went for business um, around the typical time when she was in her 20s. But she had my brother, who is older than myself, and uh, he developed a learning disability, and then you know it turns out that he was on the autism spectrum. And she had no, like, she didn't know anything about what accommodations were. She didn't know how the school could help him, um, why he wasn't doing well. So she actually went back to college at Revere University in, I think I was around eight, nine. And I I would go to some classes with her if there was no babysitter. Um, And she learned to become um, an elementary school teacher, a special ed teacher as well and that's what she's been doing um for over 20 years well
0: wow that's amazing i didn't know this
1: yeah so cool yeah so it's 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 interesting because i don't think she would have ever gone into education if my brother didn't have those um Mm. you know learning disabilities and i don't know it just kind of like spurred this passion in her so it's it's Mm. very interesting to think about
0: yeah I think we need to take a break for just a second. We'll be right back.
1: Join us on June 8th for Next Gen New Hampshire, a virtual panel discussion about the next generation of the workforce and how employers can navigate the new business culture. Hear from New Hampshire leaders as they discuss how the emerging workforce is navigating societal challenges such as mental health and social justice and how companies can help to elevate their employees' voices. Panelists include Ryan Barton, Founder and CEO of Mainstay Technologies, Pawn Nidichin, Executive Director of City Year New Hampshire, Dan Weeks, Vice President of Business Development at Revision Energy, and Talisha St. Mark, Shareholder at Bernstein Share. These industry leaders will share inspiration behind their definition of success and how businesses can create an authentic work culture to set up emerging leaders that will navigate their career pathways successfully. Register for this free webinar on June eighth at nhbr.com. dot com.
0: Hi everybody, we're back with Amanda, who we were having a conversation about just college and stuff. And my new moniker <laughs> is Dr. J.
1: Dr. J. Dr. J. <laughs> Wait, Romans what are you going to do with that now? What are you? What are you going to?
0: I can't, can't get. I, can, I, I can't give vaccinations. So I'm happy to to give people vaccinations.
1: So can you, um you know, when you, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, when you're filling out, you know, account names or like paperwork and it asks for your, your, uh, <laughs> your title, you can't put Mr. anymore. You have to put doctor.
0: <laughs> I can't do that. You know, I have to tell you this. I have a, I have a built in uh, just. I will not do that because I remember when I was in college, I was a sophomore taking a wonderful year-long course on urban politics, which actually to this day has helped me because I really understand, I learned to understand politics much more in depth and much, I have much more of an understanding what was going on in dynamics from a wonderful professor named Gene Lewis, we called him Mean Gene, (laughs) and he looked like Mean Gene. He actually was a big guy he was the for those of you with a long memory he was a middle linebacker for temple university when the star oh, wow. running back was bill cosby oh this is God. the original bill cosby the no, i mean bill cosby the comedian who was an excellent athlete wow I didn't uh,
1: know that. He,
0: was, he was the middle linebacker so this goes back a while but gene was uh, was really something and he would go on a rant when any. Student in the seminar class would talk about talk about one of the science professors who insisted on being calling doctor. And he would say, "I'm a doctor too. I don't go around saying I'm a doctor. Only doctors <laughs> are to call. I'm the person I'm going to call a doctor is someone give me a script."
1: <laughs> That's the that.
0: Gene was, but it was a fun class, as you could tell from that, that line. That sounds
1: like a fun class. <laughs> <laughs> I think so those don't were the best. <laughs> those are the best teachers though the best professors
0: <laughs> i know it but they well, won't know,
1: call a, you doctor
0: that's right you know i was going to say the thing you said about about your mom reminds me i was one of the things one of the themes i was going to talk about in my speech but i didn't was about my grandmother who it was a similar experience not the same but when I was a year old, my grandfather died at a very young age, was in his early 50s, and she was in her 40s, and yeah, you know, my, my mother and my uncle, I think my uncle was fully grown, if not, he was maybe a year or two away from, graduated from high school, so she went back to school and became a, te- a New York City public school teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was really something else, so, it, and this was a, this is in the, early 50s, mid-50s. This was not a common thing for women to be doing at that time. Right. And she was really, uh, really inspiring woman. Very inspiring. She broke the mold. Yeah, very, very independent. And, uh, you know, a little headstrong, but, you know, she had to be determined. I liked her. My mother didn't get along with her all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think when you have a determination like that, you just got to you just got to go for it. You know, you got to do what's best for you. And you can't think of what society deems, you know. Exactly. And
0: and that's what, that's what I admire most about her is that, you know, she, she said, I'm going to do this. And she was, I think, looking back on it, because we have a pretty big family, you know, extended family. And I think she was the only woman in her generation of women, you know, all my aunts and everything and my, you know, my grandmother and her relatives who had, had a job. Oh, Everything wow. Stayed home. Yeah. And if you think about it, that was the common thing.
1: But it, you know, if she was a single parent, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, she was a single, yeah, she was a single parent.
1: Yeah, that's, that's inspirational, especially back then.
0: Yeah, back that's... then, I mean, now it's so much more common, but, you know. Yeah. Actually, now it's you're... almost. You say, Wow, what's You that's a luxury to be able to stay home with your children all the time. I mean, exactly for many many people. I should say, and that's good
1: that there's institutions like Granite State College who can actually accommodate
0: those types of. I'm almost positive what she did. She went to uh, one of the city university colleges. Oh, there you go, which is a similar thing. I mean, city university is is a great institution. Both my parents got their degrees there, and you know, that's all kinds of colleges all across the city. And in those days, it was free. Not, that's a long time we'll another, <laughs> another time in another place.
1: So you, do, you don't still teach anymore, but you think you ever would?
0: I, I, you know, actually it was funny. It was mostly COVID that caused the end of my teaching because I just yeah. had so much on plate. but I would like to do it again. I really like doing it. I really I, you're... I enjoyed doing, even if it was at night and, you know, classes were, three hours at night you want you know that was you know that's a pretty big commitment but the students really were great and i the thing and i get when, the most out of it is how, how much they really wanted to be in the class there's yeah. very little absence absentee, absenteeism
1: that makes it all the more worthwhile yeah but i was gonna say um you not that i'm biased or anything but i think you're a great mentor so the fact that you are uh, a you a professor. Makes a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> are you looking for a raise? Uh,
1: no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you're not. You're crazy. You should look, ask for one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, then you should too.
0: Okay, but yeah, I, I just well, it's, you know, that's I, actually that's what I was saying to them when I when I said I wanted to teach was that you know being an editor you're a teacher
1: basically yeah, I guess that's what you you're are. doing you're
0: saying yeah you, know, you should do this you know do this that you know and I have certainly have strong views about writing so.
1: Yes, you do. <laughs> and there's also, I feel like it's always changing, so there's always something
0: new to learn. Well, no, that's the thing, and, and you actually you learn more. And and I don't want to sound like a really old fart, but it's really nice to be around younger people. That's why I like working with you, Amanda. Well, thank you. <laughs> As opposed to just looking <laughs> with people, who look working with people who look like you, that would be really depressing. Well, oh, not hey, look you, like me, look, not like you, look like me. Listen,
1: listen. <laughs> It's it's good to get the different generational perspective.
0: Exactly. That's- it's also more energy in a workplace. I, it's I, very
1: refreshing.
0: Yeah, because I've worked in places where a lot of the people are the same, and it just yeah. kind of it kind of stunted in your belief and everything. Yeah. And I think that's true of a lot of work. And actually, you know, that also talks about diversity in the workplace, not just age, but oh yeah. cultures and and perspectives on life.
1: Just makes it more enriched yes yes
0: and you learn to get to learn more and that's what i that's one of my points of my commencement address was that you get to by learning you you learn other people's perspectives you get to see you get to understand the world more things that you never thought about before you would you would learn you can learn about you open opens your eyes so that's one of the and
1: things. uh i think for this episode of the podcast i will happily link your commencement speech oh, which is on YouTube, so it's very with, with inspirational. An, with an unfortunate
0: typo in it, but that's all right.
1: I know, I saw that. <laughs> I said, "That's not how you spell his name. We should have checked." <laughs> um, but I think your commencement was—it's, you know—it was very on point and very timely, and um, I thought it was very open. It was very honest. So, thank you for the speech. It really was a nice speech. So,
0: well, I'm sure that the much.
1: graduates were.
0: Pleased to hear it. I yeah, you know, thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. I really do. I you know, I worked on it, you know, more than I work on most other things.
1: Yeah.
0: I spent Lots a lot of time. Far, I wanted to be right. I wanted to be right as good yeah. as, as as perfect, as close to perfect as I could make it. So.
1: I think you were there.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> well, thanks, Jeff. This anyway, now that fun. I'm fully
0: embarrassed, we got to get out of this thing.
1: Stop. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank, Thanks again. That's a congrats, Dr. J. Thank
0: you. <laughs> Don't call me doctor. No.
1: <laughs> doctor, Mr. J.
0: Doctor, Mr. Yeah. Doctor, Dr. doctor. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. All
0: right. With uh, that, I guess. I, I, with that, I think we should just. Yes. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> this is a Jeff Feingold with Amanda Andrews saying, "Be well, everybody."